Okay, it's good to be here this morning. Um, for a message this morning, I'm going to be sharing my circuit message. Um, this is the first time I've done this, and so maybe I'm kind of practicing on you this morning. And uh, Weavertown actually has me scheduled for the National Day of Children for this message, but the message is geared for children. Um, I enjoy talking with children, and so the first part of this message, I'd like to have the children come front, and then we're going to do um, just kind of a short uh, children's meeting in, our, in the first part of our lesson here. So I'd like to have the children come front, uh, like ages of five, from ages five to like 10 or 12, okay? So the children come front, and we'll find place here, and uh, we'll be looking at this this morning. Okay, sit over on this side, in the front, fill the bench, and then when the bench gets full, you can sit on the floor. So I, I don't want you sitting over here on the steps, I want you sitting on the floor so you can be in front of me. So fill the bench first. Okay, now sit on the floor. Just sit on the floor here. This is fine. Sit on the floor. Okay, so we're going to have, we're going to start by having a short children's meeting. Okay, good. All right, lots and lots of children. Well, you can see I brought a lot of things along this morning, you know. I got a this is supposed to be a sword. I have an anchor. I have honey. A, light, a light. Fire. Actually, this is like, maybe, I don't know. Is it going to work? There it goes. Fire. So I have a mirror. I have money. I have seeds. I have a hammer. I have water and milk. I have some fruit and a lamp. So all of these things, all of these things are like one thing. And I want you to guess what it might be. All of these different things are like one thing. Go ahead. God? God? Oh, you're close. A little bit. Okay. The Bible. You're right. All of these things are like, are like the Bible. So let's think about the Bible this morning, and we're just going to think about several of these things while you're here, and then we'll talk about the rest of them after you go back to your seats again. I'd like to start out with milk. Okay, I'd like to start out with milk. Now there's a verse that in the Bible, there are numerous verses in the Bible that talk about the Bible, uh, the Bible as milk. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse... It says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Okay, so a number of you have little brothers and sisters, right? You have little brothers and sisters? What do your little brothers and sisters do when they're not getting the milk they want? Huh? 
What do they do? Huh? They cry? Yeah. They let you know they're hungry, right? They let you know they're hungry. Because they really, really want the milk. Well, you know, uh, babies, uh, like, babies are only drinking milk. That's the only thing they drink. That's the only thing they eat. So they're not eating food, solid food. They're just drinking milk. Well, this verse, First Peter chapter 2 says that just like babies really, really want the milk when they're hungry, that's how we should be with God's word. Okay? The Bible. That's how we should be with the Bible. So, little babies, when they don't have enough of milk, they'll let you know for sure, and they want it really, really bad. And that's how we should be with the Bible. So milk is very, very important for us. It's very important. Now let's think about, there's another verse in the Bible that talks about milk. And I'd like to, to look at that one also. It's found in Hebrews chapter 5. Here's, there's kind of a different thing here with milk. In Hebrews chapter 5, it says this, For... When for a time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as need of milk and not of strong meat. Now today in our, in our fellowship meal, it, this verse talks about strong meat. Today in our fellowship meal, we'll probably have lots of meat, right? Because the men brought the food, right? We'll probably have lots of meat because the men brought the food. Well, this verse here where it talks about meat, strong meat, is actually talking about solid food. So, now think about your little brother or sister. So he really wants his milk, right? When he's hungry, he really wants his milk, right? But now, look, now think about this. How many of you are still using milk? How many of you are drinking from the bottle? Huh? Are, any of you, are some of you drinking from the bottle? Huh? Nobody's drinking from the bottle? Well, you know what? Milk is a great thing for babies. But this verse in, in Hebrews says, this verse in Hebrews says that these people were drinking milk too long. And so if you're a baby Christian, drinking milk is good. But guess what? We, we should learn to outgrow milk, and we should start eating other food, right? How would you like if your dad was still just drinking from the bottle? Huh? How would you like if your dad was still just drinking from the bottle? Would you say that's good? Huh? Well, that's not good, is it? Well, in the book of Hebrews, Paul was writing to some Christians in the book of Hebrews, and he was telling these Christians that you've been Christians for a long time, but you're still just drinking milk. And so these Christians didn't grow up. And so if your little brother or sister is drinking lots of milk, that's good when they're a baby, right? But as they get older, you want them to eat other food, solid food. And so think about uh, children getting older and eating solid food, such as, 
such as uh, a tangerine or an apple, or like today, maybe lots of meat, right? <laughs> maybe lots of meat for our meal today, okay. Now the other thing that, that we have to think about, and so if your little brother or sister is drinking a lot of milk, you expect them to grow, right? Yeah, you expect them to grow. How would you, how would you think about it if your little brother or sister was, say, five years old, he was still drinking milk, and he was not growing. Would that be good? No. And so little babies drink milk for a while, and then later they start eating solid food. They learn to crawl. They learn to walk. They learn to talk. And it's not long before they go to school, and they learn how to work in school and play in school. You know, one thing, one thing about a baby, one thing about a baby that might be a little like a baby Christian. So, if a baby's, okay, a baby needs, you have to do everything for a baby, right? A baby needs everything. You can't, a baby can't do anything for itself. It needs constant care. Well, but later, they, they learn to take care of themselves, and so most of you are, lab, are able to dress yourselves, right? You dress yourself when you go to school? Or does your mom have to put your clothes on? You know, you, you learn how to dress yourself. You feed yourself. You take care of yourself. Well, you know, what, you, know what, you know what baby Christians might be like? You know what baby Christians might be like? They might be like Christians that are like five or six years old, but they still need constant care. Huh? Do you think that would be good? Huh? No, that's not good. And so we learn, to, uh, we learn to grow up in our Christian lives just like a baby does. We learn to grow up and then we learn to take care of ourselves. And really what you want to do is also be able to take care of other people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither are you able now. And so Paul is talking to Christians, and he says, I gave you milk, I gave you milk, but you're not able to take it. I mean, you're not able to take strong meat. And so if a baby never learns to eat anything solid, it will probably always stay small. It will never grow up and never, never become a strong person. And so it's very important to eat solid food. Now, the other thing about the Bible I want us to think about uh, this morning yet, too, with our, our children's class, and after this one, then I'll let you go back. So what do you think this is? What do you think this is? Huh? What do you think it is? A what? A lamp, yeah. How would you turn this lamp on? Huh? You go like this. Whoa. It's almost like magic, isn't it? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I pulled up. And then it has a little compass on the top. Now, on the box it says, on the box it says this light will, will, shine for a mile. Well, if I was lost sometime, and I was in the dark, and I was in the woods, 
I would not want this a mile away to give me light. So, yeah. But it says that it might shine a mile, but it probably won't shine quite that far. But the Bible also says it is like, the Bible is like a lamp and a light. So let's go to, okay, let's see where my notes are for this. Psalm 119, Psalm 119, verse 105, Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How many of you like to be lost? Is it fun to be lost? Most of us probably don't even like it in the dark, do we? No. You like it in the dark? You like it in the dark? No? Most of us probably don't like it in the dark. Most of us surely don't like to be lost in the dark, right? And so let's think about the Bible being like a light for us. And so, you know, we live in a really, really dark world. Now, the sun is shining in our world right now, and so physically it's light. But we live in a very dark world because there's a lot of sin and a lot of evil and a lot of wickedness. It seems like Satan has a lot of bad things that he's doing today, doesn't he? Seems like Satan has a lot of bad things. Well, if we read the Bible and if we study the Bible, the Bible will give us light so that we know where we're going. The Bible will give us light so that we know where we're going. It'll help us discern right and wrong, and it'll help us, it'll help us uh, with our light so we know where we're going. The Bible gives guidance. It's like a road mark. And you drive down the road, most roads today have lines on the sides, a line in the middle, and the Bible is like that. And when you drive down the road of life, you'll be able to know where to go because the lines are there, and the marks are there, and the Bible gives us that. The Bible gives us that. So we live in a very dark world, and lots of sin and wickedness and evil, but the Bible gives us light so that we know where to go. Okay, you can go back to your parents again. Then for the rest of the message, then I'd like to look at some of the other things that we have here. And um, the Bible uh, has lots of things to say about itself, and we have lots of illustrations in the scripture, and so we can learn from those. I brought, a, I brought a machete along this morning. I bought this a number of years ago in El Salvador. So this is not a, a two-edged sword, but it is a machete. It is a sword. And so the Bible talks about um, itself as being a sword um, several places. In uh, Ephesians chapter 6, we have this as one of the parts of the Christian's armor. So... It says, this, the, it says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, 
which is the word of God. The sword is different than a shield or a helmet. A shield or a helmet will, pre will protect yourself. But a sword, you can protect yourself with a sword too, but you can also cause some damage on the enemy, right? You can also cause some damage on the enemy. And so, as non-resistant people, we don't physically damage the enemy. But we have, uh, in the Bible, we have this illustration of the sword as being used against Satan and the powers of darkness. And so the, so the sword is a way of being able to protect us against Satan. It is an offensive weapon. The, the helmet and the shield are offensive and the sword. And so God has given us, God has given us the tools we need to be able to be successful in our Christian lives and also tools that will be able to damage, to damage Satan. There's also a verse in Hebrews chapter 4 that talks about the sword. It says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So there's a two-edged sword. This is not a, a two-edged sword. It only has one edge. So I, don't, I don't have a two-edged sword. But we think about this as being uh, like God's word. It says, Even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner, of the thoughts and intents of, a, of the heart. Now, in this verse, it's not talking about cutting, a, cutting your body apart by, um, by when it says cutting asunder um, the joints and marrow. It's not talking about using the sword to cut your body apart or, to, or to, to divide somehow between your soul and spirit. But in the last part of this verse, this is where, this is where the word of God is very, very important. And it says, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's, the Bible as a sword, it will do that for you. Now I find in my own Christian life, in my own life, I find it really, really hard. I, really, I find it really, really hard to evaluate myself correctly. Do you ever think about that? I find it hard to correctly evaluate myself. And so to correctly uh, understand your attitudes, to correctly understand your motives, and sometimes even to correctly understand right and wrong in your life is hard. It's hard when you're evaluating your own life. But the Bible can help you in that. The Bible will help you in that. The Bible will help you discern in your life what is right and wrong. It'll help you discern your motives, and it'll help you discern... Um, It'll help you discern whether you're doing right or not. And so I think the Bible is very, very important for that. Um, sometimes when I think about myself, and Satan has ways of kind of, 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 kind of tricking your mind sometimes, so sometimes I think about myself, and, I, and Satan tells me, I'm, I'm no good. I'm no good. You're just a piece of dirt. You can't do anything right. Is that correct? Huh? Is that a correct evaluation of ourselves? No. We're made in the image of God. There's lots of good things about us. And the next day, Satan will tell me that I'm doing everything right. I, you know, you're the best guy in the world, and everything is right. You can't hardly do anything wrong. And so that's probably not a very good thing either, is it? 
And so the Bible is God's word, and as a sword will help us, will help us in that. And so it'll help us correctly discern, um, even in our own lives, and help us with that. I'm not sure how my time is going to go here. I might have to move through these. I don't want to be late for lunch today, so yeah, I don't want to be late for lunch. Okay. I also have an anchor. I also have an anchor, and so we go to, um, again, the book of Hebrews, several verses that I'd like to read there. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. That by two immutable things, which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into, which entereth into that within the veil. So, you think about the Bible being an anchor. You think about the Bible being an anchor. So, I don't know if they still use anchors on ships today. Do they still use anchors on ships? I, I guess, maybe. But the anchors were used years ago, and if you wanted to, well, if you were on a ship, on a ship and you got into a storm, guess what? You would put your anchor down so you could stay at the right place. If you're in a storm with a ship without an anchor, then you might not know where you are the next day because the wind would blow you to some place where you don't know where you are. So the anchors years ago were made in such a way that um, when they would throw the, the anchor out into the, into the water and it would go to the bottom of the ocean, that as the anchor was drug in the bottom of the ocean, that a part of it would actually dig in the dirt, you know, and help keep the ship in place. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they're using anchors today or not, but um, maybe the small boats, the big boats probably have some kind of fancy GPS, something that keeps them in the right place. But think about the Bible as being an anchor for us. You know, we, we live in a day, we live in a time in the world and in our nation when there are so many extremes Think about, I don't want to preach too much about politics this morning, but think about politics, the extreme views of politics. Think about, think about the extremes we have in wealth, especially in the world, but even in the United States. There's many people in the United States that are going hungry. At the same time, we have like many billionaires, well, many, but a number of billionaires. Um, even in churches, think about the extreme differences in various churches. Probably not so much here this morning, but, you know, there's churches that are just radically different from each other, even in our country today. Well, I think having an, having an anchor is really, really important. Having an anchor is really, really important, and we do that. We have an anchor when we allow God's word into our life. 
We allow God's word to speak to us. We allow God's word to feed us. Um, the, God's word should be like, for most of us, God's word should be solid food. It shouldn't be milk. Yeah. Somebody that, that is um, using the Bible as milk is probably one who enjoys listening to the Bible stories but doesn't learn much from them. You know, so Bible stories are good. And Bible stories are great for children, you know, to learn. But as children get older, they should be doing more than just listening to the story. They should be learning from the story. And then you get into Bible memory, you get into Bible study, and so there's lots of things that we can get into. But those become an anchor in our lives. They become an anchor for us. And so they help us. Um, they keep us from drifting. And so if you're docked, if your ship is docked by, uh, by the coast somewhere, you can drop your anchor and stay there. If you're in a storm, you can drop your anchor and it'll keep you from blowing to some other continent somewhere, you know. So, uh, it's so it's so important to have an anchor in our lives. So important to have an anchor. Let's think about God's word as being like seed. So I brought several packs of seed, and of course this time of the year we're all, or a lot of us are planting something, so I have some radishes here, some cucumbers, and so, yeah, we're planting, right? We're planting. Let's think about the Bible as being a seed. In 1 Peter 1, 23, it says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. A number of years ago, a number of years ago, I decided on the farm, I decided I'm going to raise some of my own seed. And so I planted some rye, and I thought, you know what, I'll get a combine to harvest it for me, and I'll put it in a wagon, and then when I need to plant rye in the fall for cover crop, I have, like, free seed, right? Okay, so I did that. I planted the seed. I, I harvested the seed. I put it in a wagon and kind of forgot about it for several months. And then in the fall, I went to plant it. And here I had put, the, put it in the wagon, and it was just a little damp. It was just a little damp. And it, it, when I got it out of the wagon to plant it, it was actually, some of it was actually a little moldy. And when I planted it, I thought, oh, this, this is fine. I just planted it anyhow, you know. But when I planted it, guess what? It didn't grow. It was corruptible seed. My seed was corruptible seed. Um... The Bible says the word of God is like incorruptible seed. There's nothing wrong with it. It's going to grow. It's going to grow. And so you want to put something in your life. You want to put something in your life that is going to give you something good, put the word of God in. You know. So farmers plant seed this time of the year. And, you know, you go out, you plant corn, or you plant beans, or you plant whatever you're going to plant. And you put the seed in the ground, guess what? 
You never expect to see that seed again. When I put seed in the ground, I don't ever expect to see that seed again. But guess what? The seed grows. It germinates because it's hopefully incorruptible. Hopefully the seed is incorruptible. It'll grow and germinate. But from that one seed, I will get many, many more things like it. An ear of corn has like hundreds of kernels on it. A uh, stalk of soybeans can have maybe not hundreds, but many on it. Yeah, many beans on a stalk. And so the Word of God is like that. You put the Word of God into your life, you allow it to grow, and the harvest will be a lot more than what you put in. Well, when you plant corruptible seed, which is, you know, maybe things from the world in your life, you know, even, the seed, even though the seed might be corruptible, the seed will do something. And so when the Word of God multiplies in our lives and grows and becomes a lot, um, the world, what we plant from the world, can do that too. And so the harvest is always greater than what you put into the ground. The harvest is always greater. That's why, that's why, especially for young people, it is so important that you put good seed in your life because the harvest is greater than what you put in. It's going to work the opposite way, too. If you plant to the devil, the devil's going to have a harvest in your life, too, greater than what you put in. God's word will grow and produce a harvest, and we can enjoy that harvest. I'd like to read um, Okay, let me wait. Let me do this a little bit later. I also brought um, money to represent gold, and I brought honey. I brought honey. So the Bible talks about that. It says, um, um, Psalm 19, verses 9 and 10. Um, just looking at verse 10. More, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, more, yea, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and the honeycomb. So this kind of goes back to the milk for babies. So milk, uh, babies really want their milk. But think about honey and money. <laughs> honey and money, right? Okay. Um, I don't know how you find yourself, but you know, I kind of have a, I, I personally kind of have a, like a sweet tooth, you know, so if I don't get anything sweet for like a day or two, I kind of crave it, you know. I want it, you know. So think about honey as being something sweet that you might really crave. And, um, and some people, some people today will do just anything to make money. They will, even if it means cheating or taking advantage of somebody, they will do anything to make money. And so this verse here in, uh, in Psalms says, God's word should be like that in our lives. 
not honey and money, but we should think about God's word as being something that we really, really want. Okay, so you have a sweet tooth? <laughs> Use it for the Bible. Use it for the Bible. If you have a desire to make money, channel that toward uh, the Bible and uh, allow God's word to uh, speak to us through that. I also have a mirror. I also have a mirror. James chapter 1, verses 23 and 25. Um, For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. The Bible is like a mirror, so the Bible can show us what we're like. This kind of goes back to the verse, um, to the verse there um, where we talked about uh, the Bible being a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the Bible is like a mirror. It can show you what you're like. Um, a wise person will read the Bible, study the Bible, and learn from it, and then adjust his life accordingly. A foolish Christian will... Is there something like a foolish Christian? I don't know. A foolish Christian will, look at, will read the Bible, study the Bible, think about what it says, but he won't do it. He just walks away from it. It doesn't make any difference in his life. It's like a person looking at him in a mirror, and he sees, oh, my goodness, my hair is messed up, but he doesn't do anything about it, you know. He doesn't do anything about it. And so um, we, we need to use the Bible to adjust our lives and to think about um, how we look and make some adjustments accordingly. The Bible is also like water. The Bible is also like water. So I brought a little glass of water along. The Bible's like water. We often think about water as something that cleans. Um, most cleaning needs water, right? Most cleaning needs water. There's probably, there's probably nothing that will, will change a, a dirty mind than, than the, the Bible. The Bible will change a dirty mind. And so it's important to think about it. Uh, water in our lives, and uh, and also we need water for survival. You know, today when they go visiting these other planets and the moon and all these places where they're sending these probes and whatever to, one of the things they'll do everywhere they go is they look to see if they can find evidence of water, evidence of water, because they know water is... You've got to have it if you want to survive as human beings. And so they're looking for water on the other planets and thinking about perhaps maybe somebody lived there at one time. And so if there's water there, there would be a better chance of having someone live there. But um, we need water for survival. In some countries where they don't have good water, they also have poor health. Poor health and poor water go together. Yeah, poor health and poor water Go together, so we need good water. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29. Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? So I brought some fire and a hammer this morning. 
I brought some fire and a hammer. And so think about, there it works. Uh, think about God's word also being like a hammer and being like fire. So now this verse talks about the hammer breaking the rock in pieces. And this little hammer probably wouldn't do so well in breaking a rock. But I have friends, I have a friend that's, um, that's um, he's a stonemason. And so he'll take a rock, you know, fairly, fairly, I mean, like a big, pretty big rock. He'll look at it, he'll turn it a little bit, maybe turn it over and look at it a little bit more. And he says, oh, you know what? Right here, there's some lines on this rock. And he'll take his hammer, a stone hammer, not one like this. He won't take one like this, but he'll take a stonemason hammer. He'll whack the rock a couple times and it'll just fall apart. You know, if I would do that, I could probably pound on the rock for a long time, and all I get off of it is chips. But this stonemason understands how rocks are made, and he'll hit it a couple times, it'll fall apart. And you know, God's word is, can be like that too, with a hard heart. God's word can be like that with a hard heart. God's word knows exactly where the cracks are and how to break a, break a hard heart. Yeah. God's word can also help us break a bad habit. God's word can also help us break a bad habit. Sin needs to be broken in our lives. Sin needs to be broken. Fire, we know, purifies. You know, sometimes they use fire to make, they, make, they use fire to make um, iron. And so you heat the rocks with the iron ore and the fire is a way of purifying. They use fire to make gold. Most of our houses are heated with some kind of fire, um, gas or oil or wood, you know. And uh, so we think about fire as having all kinds of good things. Fire can also be, fire can be um, very destructive. Fire can be very destructive, but the Bible is not destructive. The Bible uses fire in a very positive kind of a way. I, I enjoy, sometimes in the summer, I enjoy a campfire. You enjoy a campfire? You get the heat, the light, the atmosphere, you know, it's great. And so maybe we should think about the Bible being like, kind of like a campfire in our lives. It brings comfort for us in that. Well, I see our time is moving along. I don't want to make us late for lunch. Um, let's think also... Okay. You know what? Let me just bring this. Um, let me just bring this to a close. Um, I want to read several verses yet from uh, Isaiah chapter 55. Make a few comments. Make a few comments. Um, Isaiah chapter 55, for my, verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bud, maketh it um, bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, Verse 11, so is my word that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return 
unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. Now, we often apply this verse to, um, to missions, you know. So you preach the gospel. You preach, and it's, a, and it's a very fitting application for that. You preach the gospel, and something is going to happen. The, you, can't, you, you will not preach the gospel and have something neutral. You're right. To preach the gospel, and something is going to happen. And, and, you know, so we look at Paul's life there in, in, um, in the book of First Thessalonians. You know, he preached the gospel, and guess what? They chased him out of town. They chased him out of town. But a church was born. A church was born, and so there's always something going to happen when you preach the gospel. And so it's a fulfillment of this verse which says, God's word will not return void. But think about that idea in your own personal life. When you apply the Bible to your life, it will not return void. Something, if you apply the Bible to your life, something's going to happen to you. Yeah, you might get mad at God for what he wants you to do. Or you may fall in love with him. Hopefully. Hopefully you'll fall in love with him. And so the Bible will uh, change. The Bible uh, changes people. I'd also like to read um, several verses in First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass, the grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord, well, I think it's talking about the Bible, endureth forever. And this is the word that is preached, which, was, which by the gospel is preached unto you. You think about God's word enduring forever. Is God's word enduring forever? Okay, God's word, is that what we have here? Is this going to endure forever, or is it talking about something else? No? Will this endure forever? What do you think? This. Okay, yeah, I believe too. So you think about... You think the Bible is being eternal. It's going to endure forever. And so you want something. You want, you want to put something in your life that's really going to make a difference in a good way, if you allow it. Think about, think about um, getting God's word into your life. Here's something that I want you to really think about and take home. The devil does not want you in God's word. You know that? And the devil will do anything to keep you from God's word. And sometimes I look in my life, I mean, I've been a preacher for 30 years, it's no, it takes as much discipline to get into God's word today as it did the day I became a Christian. You'd think it'd get easier with more times of preaching, right, Ben? Yeah, it doesn't work that way. And I found it almost seems like the devil can arrange your day so that you don't do it. Does that ever happen to you? Yeah, it can. 
The devil does not want you in God's word, and he will do anything to keep you out of it. In my years of ministry, I have never talked to someone who was having trouble in their Christian lives, maybe with defeat or whatever, who was also spending time in God's word. Never talked to somebody where the two went together. They would always tell me, oh, you know what? I haven't been reading my Bible as much as I should. No? Yeah. When you get out of God's word, defeat in your Christian life goes along with it. When you get into God's word, when you get into God's word and you spend time in God's word, you will not be a defeated Christian. I've never talked to someone that had trouble in his Christian life that said he was spending all the time in God's word he should. Never talked to someone like that. So the two always go together. So important. It's so important. Here's a little thing I want to put in here at the end. So I, you know, as a minister, it is really convenient to have your verses and the Bible text and so on on the overhead. It's convenient. It's nice. It's a good way to preach. It's a nice way to preach. It flows and so on. You know, so I didn't have to go, you don't have to go paging through your Bible and finding your verses and so on, like I did this morning. But guess what? I've, we were, we were, I was teaching over here in school one time, this is actually a few years back, I was doing a sword drill with third and fourth grade, and the, some of the children didn't know how to find a reference in their Bible. Third and fourth graders didn't know how to find a reference in the Bible. So they could maybe find the, yeah, after some time, maybe find a book, but they didn't know what, how to do the chapter and the verse thing. And, and I, I'm, just, I'm just saying that I would like... I would like to see us as a congregation here always need our Bibles on a Sunday morning. And be familiar with the way the books are, are, are ordered and being able to find a reference. And I love to hear wrestling pages when I'm preaching. And I know in this electronic age, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm kind of past that. But I just feel like we lose something if we don't have a generation growing up here that understands the way the Bible is laid out and is able to find the verses. That's my pretty strong opinion. And to, um, well, this is, okay. The Bible is God's written word. God wrote his word down. He passed it to us. And I believe there's still something about using the written word instead of an electronic word that is better. And I know the younger generation probably disagrees with me. But I see it as a problem if a younger generation isn't able to take a Bible and find a chapter, a book, a chapter, and a verse. And be familiar with it.
All right, I went two minutes over time this morning. Let's kneel for prayer.